right. Good morning again, everybody. Can we just put our hands together, honor Jesus? What a good day. It's been together so far. I want to welcome all of you watching online. If we haven't met, my name's Brandon. I'm one of the pastors around here, and I know it's been said, but look, if you're uh, here for the first time or you're new around here, we're just honored that you're here uh, and a part of uh, Cultivate Church with us. I can't think of a better place I would rather be than right here at church with you on Sunday, and so I'm glad you've carved time out of your day uh, to be here. If you will, go ahead and grab out of your worship guide uh, your note sheet for today. i got a lot of things I want you to write down and some extra things. Some of you say, well, I'm, I'm not taking any notes. Some of you just fill in the blanks like you blank only, and then some of you go, I'm not doing any extra, but I just want to you know, challenge you, dive in, put some stuff in there. If you've got the app, uh, you can uh, do it digitally, you can take notes on the app that way. Uh, today's a standalone message, which just means it's not connected to a series. A series is a collection of messages um, based around some of the same topics as we learn together, but today is just a singular message on its own. But next week, we begin a brand new series, Coping, Hoping, and Doping. We're going to be talking about working through some of our own issues and problems in our life. Uh, some of you that don't have issues or problems in your life, that's your issue and your problem with your life. You don't know you have it. Because we all do, all right? Uh, I also want to mention to you that we have a little bit of room at 9 a.m., so if somebody next to you smells a little funny and you feel a little uncomfortable, you can shift to 9 a.m. or ask them to shift to 9 a.m., you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, whatever we got to do to get everybody in here, it's okay. Uh, but I'm excited about today. Let me just tell you, let me warn you a little bit today. Uh, just practice your smile. Don't get upset at me. Don't get offended at me. Today's a tough one, okay? Sometimes we need a little toughness in our life. We need the truth of God's Word. And so today, I just want to dig into uh, uh, really attacking culture. Culture attacks us a lot, I believe, today. And so I want to attack culture. And I believe if we're not the church and we're not standing for the truth of God, then we're losing. And we've got a battle that's around us, and so today it's, it's kind of a tough one, uh, but if you just hang here with me all the way through, uh, hopefully God will help us today as we dive into God's Word. I titled your message today, Artificial Intelligence. Does anybody know what that is? Not what your spouse has, but uh, what's happening in technology. I love technology. I'm a tech guy. I love anything that's technology-based, and so uh, artificial intelligence is computer-generated understanding and knowledge that we're using now. 2023 will have always been the year of artificial intelligence, where it is now deployed among most of all the tools and everything that we use. It's machine learning. It's computers uh, learning. It really is the most significant invention to have ever been created. And I know that's a big statement to make, but if you really think about it, uh, we're no longer the smartest humans or the smartest beings on the planet. We have computers that are thinking 100 times faster than you or I can think. A computer doesn't need a day off. It doesn't need a vacation. It doesn't need to rest. It doesn't need a lunch break. It doesn't need a potty break. It doesn't get a flat tire. It doesn't have kids. It works 24-7, 365 days a year. And if you're not aware of it, it's coming for you. <laughs> it's coming for your jobs. It's listening to us right now. It's feeding us information. Artificial intelligence is absolutely crazy what it can do. 56% of the banking industry is already using artificial intelligence. Most of those who are in the field of data entry are being replaced with computers that can input data faster than we can ever do it, and it never stops. Um, if some of you will miss your favorite television shows this season because they weren't created, because they were on strike, you heard about the strike, over 
artificial intelligence. They wanted to know that the security of their jobs were in place and that they would not be replaced by artificial intelligence. Now, as amazing as this is, and this invention, some of you will remember this the way we remember the Internet. Somebody remember AOL? <laughs> Get off the phone. I'm trying to download a song. It's going to take me 24 hours. You know what I'm saying? Napster, LimeWire. We probably ought to pray right now because some of us is going to miss heaven. We're going to get to the gates ready. And they go, hey, you remember Napster? You go, oh, shoot. I'm just saying. We got, we, got, we got to get it together. But this artificial intelligence, here's my point. It's not just technology that we're dealing with and that we're learning. Today, I want to address the artificial intelligence that the enemy, the devil, that the Bible says comes to steal, kill, and destroy the artificial intelligence that he is deploying into our lives and into our culture. He is changing the way that we think and the way that we see things through the lens of our feelings, through the lens of subjective culture. And if we're not careful as a church or as believers, as followers of Jesus, we're going to believe what culture teaches us and we're going to miss the truth of God's Word. And so today, I want to talk through the lens of a current generation, of Generation Z, the most uh, significant generation that we've had in quite a time because it's one of the largest generations, they're one of the most diverse generations. They're now entering into our workforce. They're now beginning to vote. They're now shaping and forming the culture that is around us. And what they're experiencing is very different than what we have experienced, even as millennials. So when we're not careful, we can sit aside and do what we've always done and do things the way that we've always done them without recognizing that culture is bypassing us and the enemy is winning. So today I want to take three things that I think are very strategic ways that the enemy would come into our lives and the way he's working in our culture right now today. And I'm going to bring it through the lens of Judges chapter 2 and I think this will set the tone of what I want to communicate. Verses 10 and 11 it says this at the top of your outline. After that generation died, what generation? A generation of people who followed the things of God, that followed the truth of God, and who honored God with their lives. But after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. Here's the tone that I want to set today, and this is where we are as a culture, believe it or not. We are living in a world where we had generations that followed the things of God, but now we have a generation that does not. And by generation, I mean not only what is the most current, but what is actually filtrated through the rest of our lives. Because everybody, the reason that that generation doesn't follow the Lord is because we have failed to hand it down and do what we should have done to raise up a generation that's behind us. So we're not here to point, but we're here to embrace where we are. And we're not here to cause blame on anybody or anything, and we're not talking about politics, and we're not pointing out all of it. What we're talking about is, is that the one that's at the foundation of the vote all, and that's the devil. And we like to point blame, and we like to grab what we can see that's tangible, and we like those big you know, quotes that we can throw on social media and all these hot buttons. But here's the deal. At the end of it all, there's a real enemy in this world who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's working overtime. And I'm just going to tell you, the church is asleep at the wheel, and we're losing. But at Cultivate Church, followers of Jesus here, we're going to live the way God's called us to live. And we're going to do it the way God's called us to do it. And I hope you're on board with that. So, you know, don't get upset with me. If you, if you get upset, we can talk about it, okay? All right, we'll, we'll have a conversation. Uh, but here's what I want us to be open to today, is to be challenged by the Holy Spirit of God, to check our own selves and not everybody else, but let God check me. 
All right? So three things today that I think the enemy's doing that he wants to have, that, that God wants to have exposed today so we know how to live this life on purpose. Are y'all ready? We're going to pray. Then you will be. All right. God, I love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for this time to gather. Thank you for the, uh, the moment to gather at 9 o'clock at both campuses here at 1015 online. God, I pray that today, uh, God, you use this word to, to stir us up. It's confrontational, God. It's, it's uncomfortable. But, God, it's the truth, and the truth is what sets us free. And so, God, my prayer is today that as believers and followers of Jesus, that we would live it out authentically. God, and that we would rescue a world around us that's blinded by the schemes of the enemy. So today, as we uncover his tricks, God, help us to lean into the things that matter and that make a difference. Unite us around, God, what, God, what blesses your heart. And that's the unity around your word. And so today, we just open our lives to it. Correct me, God. Convict me. Do whatever you need to do inside of me so that you can get every good thing, God, to come to life. And we, we believe that today is a life-changing moment for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing the enemy will do, this is important, number one, write this down, is the enemy will corrupt you. The enemy will corrupt you. To be corrupt is to willingly do something that is wrong. Corruption is when we willingly decide to make decisions that are false or we willingly decide to cause harm, or we willingly decide to take something that's not our own. We willingly decide to cause offense. That's what being corrupt is. There's a difference between making a mistake. There's a difference between being confused and being corrupt. But what the enemy desires for our lives is for us to willingly make decisions that are outside of the will of God. And he'll do things like this. He'll say, well, but how are they going to feel? What will people think? What will people say? And what you begin to do is you go, oh, yeah, you're right. I can't do that because I have to do this for everybody else. And then what we become is performers. We walk in. We've conformed to society. We begin to perform so that we can please everybody else. And what we have done is we have ignored the things of God and we have been corrupted by the things of this culture. Here's what the Bible says in Romans 1. It's a perfect picture of what was happening in this culture, very, very similar to what we're experiencing today. It said their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, uh, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent. That means very proud, boastful, arrogant. So they're proud, they're boastful, they invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises, they're heartless, and they have no mercy. That's a good group of people, isn't it? But if you look at culture, that's a, that's a picture of our culture right now. We invent things. Man, we're talking about things today. We have to address and have conversations about things today that if somebody were to bring up 10 years ago, you would think they were crazy. We're arguing and fighting over how long we can allow a baby to develop before we take the baby's life. Ten years ago, you, you mean to tell me we're arguing if the baby can be born and then be a, Like, what are we even talking about, everybody? But today, these are conversations that we're having every day in our culture as if it's even a conversation that should be had. But the enemy would like to corrupt us. He would like to confuse us in such a way that we don't even know what to do and we can't even make sense of normal common sense things. Why? Because we have even invented ways to do evil. We're so far off the tracks 
And we're so far off the base that we're just, we're just making it up as we go along. And we can point to a lot of things. Everybody in here, you would have an opinion. We all have an opinion about what we think is happening in our culture and how we would fix it and how we would change it. But I want to present just one theory that I think, personally, this is the foundation of it all. And I think it's our families. I think it begins with our family. I think there's a breakdown in our family units. And every family is different, I get it, and every circumstance is different. So hear my heart. I'm not picking on anybody in any specific situation. But here's what I know, is that God created Adam and Eve to be united together. And when he created Adam and Eve to be united together to populate the world, he created two parents that would raise their children and train them up in the ways of God and send them out into the world to do the things of God. But because of sin, we've broken that. There was a day in our culture where you wouldn't even talk about divorce. Because you didn't want, you would stay, women would stay in absolute abusive situations just because they didn't want the stigma to say, I've been divorced. Now, I'm not saying that's healthy. But I'm saying we so held highly a decision that we made, an agreement that was made, a covenant that was made, a commitment that was made, that we would almost endure anything. But then, culturally, we said in the 80s and 90s, we've got a no-fault divorce. So you know what that is? That's an easy out, baby. It ain't your fault, it ain't my fault. Let's just say, hey, we tried it, we're going to go our own ways, and we'll do our own thing. And so now what we've done is we've broken down the significance of this commitment, and we've made it easy to walk away from it. So now what we have in our culture today is we've got women who say, oh, I don't even need a man to get pregnant. I don't need no man to have a I'm a strong, independent woman. And yes, you're strong. God's created you. And all of those things are right in the right place in the right context. But it's outside of God's perfect plan. Then it's outside of God's perfect will. So we begin to do this. And now if you get on TikTok, everybody, you got moms who display their lives as parents that talk about how horrible it is to be a parent. And they broadcast everything that's wrong with being a mother. And now you have this movement of women that do not want to have babies because they are uh, inconveniences to their lives and what pleases them. So now we've got this great disconnect and this breakdown of what it means to walk out the plan of God. Now I'm not saying, again, hear me, I'm just telling you we've deviated from God's perfect plan. And any time in my own life that Brandon deviated from God's perfect plan, it didn't go very well. But when I find that my life and I can keep myself in the lane, God is he's more apt to bless my life, even in the difficult times it seems a lot easier when I'm walking with God. But statistics don't lie. And I just want to support why I feel like our families are such a big deal and what I'm bringing us to today. Listen to this. 18.3 million children live without a father in the home. That's one in four children. Because of this, in these broken homes, and look, most we, we all understand we're in different places in our homes, but they're two times more likely to suffer from mental health and behavioral problems. We have an epidemic in our country mental health with our young people, and we, and we don't know why. They're going, I don't know what's wrong with it. Well, it's because we've ripped the family unit apart, and it's affecting our kids. They're 10 times more likely to abuse chemical substances. They're 70% uh, more likely to drop out of high school. They're 20 times more likely to be incarcerated. And listen to this. In a study of 56 school shootings, 
Only 10 of the shooters were raised in a stable home with both biological parents. 82% grew up in either an unstable family environment or grew up without both biological parents. I mean, statistics don't lie. That don't paint the full picture. But statistics don't lie. The family unit is foundational. It is essential to the development of the life that we live. Why? Because that's the way God created it. And any time we deviate from the creation of God, we mess it up. You don't believe me? Proverbs eleven twenty nine. 29. Those who bring trouble on their families inherit the wind. You get something you can't hold on to, you can't catch, you can't tame. When we don't keep our families the way God intended them to be kept. So what do we do? Well, Proverbs 24, 3 and 4 says, By wisdom a house is built. What wisdom? Biblical wisdom. And through understanding it is established. Why are we talking about this today, Pastor? Well, because when we understand the establishment of our families and through knowledge we fill our rooms with rare and beautiful treasures. So what do you say? Somebody goes, well, I'm a single mom. You just, you just totally, you just gave me no hope. No, listen to me. Some of you are married and you're the only spiritual leader in your house. It's not an equal spiritual responsibility. Some of you are single parents and you're doing the best you can do. Here's what I'm telling you. God, for every one of us, must be the first thing in our home. I love this church. My son came home two weeks ago singing this little Bible verse. And, uh, and I tried to say it, and I got it wrong. He said, incorrect, Dad. I was one word off. Incorrect. No grace. And he singed this little Bible verse, and then I got the email, the follow-up from kids' ministry, and it was in there. I was like, man, this is what you're learning. Like, this is awesome. But you know what the reality is? I'm responsible for that boy every single day of his life. And this cannot be the only spiritual leadership and guidance he gets. This is like the cherry on top. But this can't be all. I have to be responsible for it. And so God has to be first. I would say this. Your spouse, if you're married, has to be second. Your sp- Some of us are like, look, you remember when you got married? The only verse you knew was like, either like, be married or, or burn with the desire, right? You said, well, I'm burning, baby, so I better get married. And some of you have been married so long, you ain't felt a spark in like 10 years. And you don't know why. I'm going to tell you why. Because your spouse gets all the leftovers of your life. You're tired. You come home. You don't spend all your words. You spend all your energy. All I want to do is watch TV and eat something and go to take a nap. Will you leave me alone? Right? They get our, they get our, they get our leftovers. We put God first. We put our spouse second. And then the little kids we got, they're third. They're not above everybody. I'll, my son knows he, he, he's not first place in our house. He, he knows it's mom first. He, he said, Dad, you, do you love mom more than me? A little bit. <laughs> I said, but I've known her longer, okay? <laughs> and then I would say this. Some of you going to think I'm crazy, but this is true. The church ought to be next. Your church ought to be next. Oh, I'd expect a pastor to say that. But let me tell you, you, gotta, you just got to keep showing up. Commit to the things of God. You know why I'm standing here today? Because I just outstood everybody else. Like, this is all God had to work with. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he had somebody else better picked out. But they just gave up. He just couldn't get rid of me. So I just kept hanging out. You got to keep showing up. You got to get in the house of God. This matters. This is the only thing Jesus ever gave his life to build was the church. 
He died for his church. He's coming back for his church. So how can we ignore his church? And then your career and everything else will come later. We're so worried about our careers and being productive and all these things in spite of our family. But let me tell you, when the economy crashes and you have nothing left, you know what you're going to do? You're going to ask God for help and you're going to beg your spouse not to leave. But the Bible says when you seek ye first the kingdom of God, then everything else will be added unto you. Why are we so upside down in our culture? Because we're so upside down in the things of God. The enemy has corrupted us. Number two, the enemy will confuse you. The enemy tries to confuse us. The Bible says Satan, who's the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. He blinds us. He knows what he's doing. Romans 1.25 says they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things of God that he created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of all the praise. He'll confuse us. We don't know what to say. We feel so paralyzed because we don't want to offend somebody. We don't want to hurt somebody. We want to love everybody. We want to be inclusive. We want to include, and we're on eggshells because everybody's upset and sensitive about everything out there in the world. So we just don't know what to do. And the Bible is a little offensive, everybody. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. And that's not a simple, easy, feel-good process. It is metal clanging against metal. There's sparks that fly. But that's what makes us better. But we've taken that out. We've got safe spaces for everything. Warning. Somebody may be offended. Take the next 15 seconds to cut off this 70-year-old cartoon. We've created, you know what we've done with our safe spaces is we've prevented the ability to have conversations and to challenge each other and to learn from each other and to grow from each other. So we're so confused so that we do nothing. So that now 33% of Gen Z say that gender is how you feel and not how you were born. Now look, I'm not, gonna, I'm not picking here, but let me just tell you, this gender thing that we're dealing with, it's an, it's, it's, it's an inflated picture of our whole society. And a bigger root cause that we're dealing with. And so what we've done is now as believers, we don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. And so we just don't say nothing. But we can't be quiet. And I'm not saying be hurtful. And I'm not saying you need to understand that we are all broken in some way. And I need somebody to help me and you need somebody to help you. But here's what I don't do. I don't go to the doctor and tell the doctor how to fix me. When I'm broken, I go to the doctor and I ask him for his expertise. What we're doing as broken people is we're telling everybody else how to put us back together. And we can't do that. Listen, let me give you a statistic here, a statement, not a statistic, but this is from the American Psychiatric Association. Let's just bring balance to this statement. Transgender is a non-medical term. It does not describe an actual medical or uh, physiological condition. Instead, it's deemed a psychological, social, and even ideological identity. In other words, it's, it's not physical, everybody. Look at what some of the scholars in the Netherlands say. We're just not even sure what causes it. With no medical basis for gender confusion, the condition exists largely in an individual's mind. It does not physically exist in one's body. Certainly, it isn't the way someone actually is. So why do they feel that way? My heart breaks for anybody that is struggling there. 
And I wholeheartedly believe that there are people struggling with that. But it's not the body. It is the enemy confusing our minds. And if we aren't the believers of the church and of Jesus to stand and say, I want to help you and not martyr you and destroy your life, who is going to? Because there is a wave of culture that is destroying the lives of children all across this country. There's two lies. These are important because you need to be equipped for this that we're told in this area. The first one is this, is that some people are just born in the wrong body. Well, let me just tell you, God nor science backs up that statement. See, when you went to school, science class, we'll keep it PG, but you, you were taught your whole body's marked male or female. It just is. And you know what God says? We were made male and female. Science is not a bad word. Science is not for us to ignore. Science is simply the study of God's creation. That's what science is. Science has a place. So some Christians go, well, we can't believe science. We're only going to open the Bible. No. Science reinforces if we do what the experts say and follow the science, not recreate the science, not design science, but if we follow it, it'll lead you back to the creation of God every single time. I'm just standing here and go, well, that's just an old Bible thing. Oh, God created man. That's oh, so outdated. No. Science tells me that. Because every cell in my body is marked male or female. Because it's God's creation. So that's a lie. The second lie they'll tell you this, and this is really, this is where it gets our heart, is if you don't let them do what they want to do and make a transition, they'll commit suicide. And any thought, statement, consideration of suicide should be taken to the highest regard. But what they don't tell you is, is that the experts would say, is that those who have had transitional surgeries, says this, that they are considerably higher risk for mortality, suicidal behavior, and psychiatric morbidity than the general population. So the picture that they don't paint is that those who have had these drastic measures taken, they are extremely worse off later in their life. What's the point? I'm not picking on this. But this is a great indication of where we are as a culture and the confusion that the enemy's bringing to me. I don't want anyone to be confused or struggling with anything. I want them to know the truth that Jesus said would set them free. I say this not because I'm picking or not because I've got some soap, but I'm saying this because I believe it with all of my heart that an interaction with Jesus would set this free. Just as he would set free somebody from lying, stealing, arrogance with uh, uh, immaturity. Come on, some of us, we don't even, we ain't grown up yet. God can set us free. God can mature us. God can fix your spouse. God can fix your marriage. God can fix your finances. God can fix anything, but it's Jesus that does it. If I don't go to work and I don't, come on, you know what I'm talking about. You can't blame somebody you lost your job when you got 30 sick days, and you were only lighted four. That's like saying, I feel like a good employee, therefore I should have a raise. God's Word, it just it aligns us. It does what we can't do in our own. I recognize that I'm broken. But without God's Word, I would have never known. I would have lived confused and corrupted. But thank God for his word that showed me my brokenness and my need for a savior.
Then number three, if we don't fix this, the enemy will capture you. Listen to this. They not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So you say, well, look, that's, this is old, outdated stuff, Pastor. You're really just you, you're old thinking. We're progressive now. We're going to go to the church down the road that's embracing all of this, and we're condoning and holding hands, and we're just... So maybe I'm off. Okay, maybe I missed it. But let's ask ourselves... If that's true, how are we doing? Well, only 4% of Gen Z have a biblical worldview. 4%. This generation that's about to lead our world, 4% of them, have a biblical worldview. What's a biblical worldview? It means that Jesus is the Son of God and the only way to heaven. They believe there's lots of ways to heaven. They believe that there is no hell. They believe that truth is subjective and cannot be determined as absolute. They believe that truth is changing by circumstance and by season and by decade. So how are we doing if we're going to embrace just culture? We're losing. That's, how we're, that's why this matters so much. So what do we do? I'm just going to give you a simple scripture and three little applications to do it very quickly, and here it is. Scripture says in Psalm 78, verse 4 through 7, we will not hide these truths, truths, do you know the truths, first of all? Do you know the truth of God's word, not culture? Because we won't hide these truths from our children, the next generation behind us, the next generation that's in this church, that's in your community. We have a responsibility. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. What do we do? We embrace and live Scripture. I challenge every one of us today to do this right here. How can you apply it? Three simple check marks on your outline. The first is this, is you need to know it. Know the truth of God's word. Don't know it because, listen, you don't have to walk out of here today accepting or embracing anything because it came out of my lips from a, from a platform. You know it because you opened God's word and you read it and the Holy Spirit instructed you. And he'll tell you if this was right or if this was wrong. You don't have to take it from, you take it from God. You can read his word. You're responsible for it, to hide it in your heart so that you might not sin against God. It's a personal responsibility. You've got to know it. The second thing is, I would say, is sow it. Sow it. Give it away. Plant it. It doesn't do you any good just to know something. There's some smart people in this world, got lots of degrees, and they can't do anything. They can't. And they just know a bunch of stuff. They don't know what to do with it, how to apply it. Then do you any good to know it. And the third thing I'd say is you've got to grow it. And you know what that means to grow it? It means commitment. Talked to somebody yesterday, hadn't seen in a while. Hey, y'all still enjoying the church over there? Ah, oh, we're, we're at this church now. They've been to like five churches in three years. I'm like, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. Stop planting seeds Digging it up, taking it across the yard, planting it somewhere else, let it sit, water it a little bit, and dig it up, take it, wasting your time. It's not going to grow. 
Dig in. Grow. Plant your life on the things of God in the place of God. Watch it grow. Church, if we don't do this, we've lost. But we are the hope of the world. And to our last breath, we're going to live it on purpose. And we're going to make heaven a bigger place because of who Jesus is. Will you bow your head with me? I want to pray for us. First thing I would say is this. Maybe we're in this place and we don't know Jesus. You're online. You don't know Jesus. The band's going to play softly. You're not going to embarrass anybody. But I would say that today is your day. Online or in this room, we need to say yes to Jesus. And secondly, maybe you were convicted today or compelled in some way of your life to just turn up the energy just a little bit. Because the enemy's doing it. God's waiting on us. And if not you, who? Not now, when? So today, let's say, God, we're going we're to live it. We're not going to play with it anymore. We're going to live it. The next generation's waiting on us. So, Father, for any of us with sin in our life, without a relationship with you, forgive us. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. But today, Jesus, we want to make a commitment to you. We confess our sin. We give you our life. And we thank you for forgiveness today. God, I pray for all of us in here who are believers, that we would dedicate our heart and our life to live it on purpose, to make a difference in this world that's around us. Let us take every moment we have. We're not going to let culture win, but we're going to stand against the culture. We're not going to conform, we're not going to fold like any other church or like any other denomination or like any other believer. We're going to stand for the things of God, to do everything you've called us to do. Equip our hearts, God. We give it to you fresh and anew today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's honor Jesus together today. Can we do that? Come on.